right, guys, welcome back to Real Men Talk. Today, again, back with Josh Reasons. I'm so excited. I'm excited for you guys. You guys are in for a treat. So today we're going to be talking about uh, the Jewish feasts and how they pertain to us as Christians and how they uh, convey to the uh, the rapture and the end times. Let's get started on Real Men Talk. Welcome to Real Men Talk, discussing the tough issues facing men and their families every day. Here are your hosts. All right, guys, welcome back to Real Men Talk. We are here with Josh Reasons. What's up, Josh? Hey, Anthony. How are you doing tonight? Good, good. I'm so excited to have you back on. Um, I'm so excited to uh, be talking about this again. I know this is something you're passionate about um, as a and it's fascinating. It's so so exciting. So um, let's jump right into it. So you, a little bit before we started, we were talking about feast. Can you kind of explain to us uh, and the listeners what, what you were talking about there? Yeah, so I thought what we might do tonight is just kind of talk about the seven Jewish feasts and bring those to bear on what they meant for the Jews and then also kind of translate those over how they parallel to us as believers. In other words, what is the symbolic reference? What's the prophetic symbolism for us as Christian believers today, if there is any, which I think there is. And mm-hmm. so we can definitely talk more about that. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, where do you want to start? Well, I would just start at the beginning. Um, and what I mean by that is when you are looking in your Bible, The feasts are basically mentioned in Leviticus chapter 23, and the Lord kind of gives his prescription on the seven different feasts and what the Jews were to do, what they meant, the symbolism behind all of that. And a lot of times when you're talking to Christians today about the Jewish feast, people kind of lose interest in it. They don't see any significance in it, um, thinking that that's just something that pertains to Israel's past, that it doesn't really apply to us today. And a lot of Gentile Christians specifically think that since Jesus came to fulfill the Mosaic law, that everything associated with the Jewish tradition, it really doesn't hold any significance for them today, which is simply not true. Um, There is this undertone in Christianity today of something called replacement theology. And That theology is false. That theology basically means that um, Jews were replaced by Christians after Calvary as God's chosen people. And and that's just a faulty line of thinking. I won't go into all of that tonight, but just simply say this, that uh, because of that thinking, a lot of people think that any significance that the feast had for Christians uh, was lost because that was the law, that that pertained to the law, that there's really nothing symbolic about that, which is just simply wrong. Right. You know, and it's kind of cool that we're talking about this because tonight during men's group, um, also, if you're a listener and you don't come to my men's group on Thursday night at 630 and you live in Popper Luff, you're missing out. Anyways, um, we were talking about how the foundation of the Bible is the Old Testament. We live in such a New Testament society that people have forgotten the Old Testament and how it's such um, such a found foundation for, you know, how the the entire thing sets up the foundation for Jesus Christ to come. Uh, and it points to Jesus Christ, you know, and that includes the feasts and every, everything about it, everything about the old Testament points to Jesus Christ. Sure. And I tell people a lot that, 
even Paul had mentioned about the Old Testament law that it was the schoolmaster. Yes. And that's in essence what he referred to it as. And by schoolmaster, I think what the Old Testament in general means for us today is that all of the the ceremonial law, all of the religious law, the social and civil law that God put in place, they were basically representations on how we are to treat God. In other words, we should never treat God from the perspective that he is just one of the guys. Right. God is something that is altogether holy, altogether so other, if I can mm-hmm. use that kind of a word. He is just so other and so distinct from anything else that we will deal with that he gave this prescription, the law, basically indicating that this is how you are to approach me. In other words, I'm not like anybody else. Right. I'm totally distinct. And so through the law, he's saying, don't treat me as um, just some insignificant thing, just one of the guys off the street. Don't get so familiar with me. So that's why the law was in place, I feel, in just a very broad general term. It was God showing us how we're to deal with him. Absolutely. So in terms of the feasts, um, you know, a lot of people don't really understand this, that even today there's a lot of Jews that celebrate the feasts. Um, Instead of relating those feasts to the Messiah, a lot of people today, even secular Jews, they will still celebrate the feasts, but they do it from the perspective of Israel's captivity and their time in Egypt and the time Mm -hmm. following just after that. So they don't necessarily do it from a religious perspective if they're not an Orthodox Jew. They just do it because it's something of a cultural norm for the Jews today. It's just something to kind of participate in. And so just to kind of quickly go through what, you know, people say, well, what are the feasts? Well, um, you have the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of Trumpets, Uh, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. And so if you were going to break those seven down, there's basically two categories. You have what is known as the four spring feasts, and then you have three fall feasts. And so again, just for clarification's sake, many Jews, they still view these feasts in light of... um, just kind of a cultural thing that they do. Again, they relate it to their time in Egypt, but they don't do it from a religious standpoint. They just simply do it from the standpoint uh, almost of a national identity. Right. In other words, this is what I do. I'm a Jew. This is what I do. This is just our our culture. This is just something that we do. But for the Christians, we view the feasts in light of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Amen. We view all of the feasts from that type of perspective. And so the feasts serve as somewhat of a template of Jesus's mm-hmm. life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and ultimately his reign. And that's one thing that I thought we could talk about tonight is just kind of break these feasts down and kind of go through that. Absolutely. So, so I guess we'll start with Passover. Yep. We can start there. We can start with Passover. So again, if you go back and you look in uh, Leviticus chapter 23, It kind of gives the prescription for that and the breakdown of it. So ultimately, the Passover represents the blood sacrifice of the spotless lamb. Whenever the Jews were in Egypt, 
Um, people, hopefully people know the story. Whenever the death angel was coming through, uh, the blood of the lamb, the sacrificial lamb, the blood of that sacrificial lamb would be placed on the doorposts and over the door tops so that the death angel, as he came through, would see the blood and he would literally pass over. Mm -hmm. He would not execute judgment. He would let the inhabitants of that house that had the blood cover him, he would let them go. But everyone else that did not have the blood cover them uh, were killed as as prescribed by the Lord. Right, and the so for, for that's right, for the firstborn. And so for us, of course, the Passover lamb, we understand that to be Jesus Christ himself. And so the, the shedding of his blood represented by the crucifixion, we see that as a prophetic fulfillment in Christ and what he did. He was the spotless lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, as what the scripture says. Mm -hmm. So that's just kind of a, a, a general overview of the Passover and the connection with Jesus. And then, of course, the second feast that they had following that was the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So this one ties into an instruction of the Lord that the Israelites were told to be ready to leave Egypt quickly. Whenever the Lord was delivering them from their enslavement, from their captivity, he was going to take them ultimately over into the promised land. He basically told them to be ready to leave at a moment's notice, yes. so much so that once the signal was given, he was basically telling them, hey, you will not have time to bake bread for the trip. You're not going to have time to put leaven in the bread, in other words, yeast, to allow it to rise. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to be ready to leave at a moment's notice. So this was the instruction for them, and it had to do about the coming journey. Um, so leaven in Scripture, and it's talking about yeast, leaven in Scripture is a symbolic of sin. So he was basically telling them that leave before the leaven or the sin has a chance to spread through the organism. So there's, again, mm -hmm. a symbolic reference there. And the scripture even says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 9, Paul kind of equating that to whenever the Jews were leaving captivity in Egypt, he says this, that even a little leaven spoils the whole lump. He was talking right. about sin. And so he was basically saying whenever the Israelites came out of Egypt, we want to leave sin behind. Right. Don't take yes. the sin with you. We want to live a holy life before the Lord. But people say, well, Josh, you know, we can't live a sinless life today. You know, we as believers, how is that possible? Well, Jesus made it possible to remove the leaven from our lives. Right. So we, that's that's a blessing. Even during the Feast of Passover, unleavened bread was to be used. And so there was three characteristics to the, to the bread. Uh, first, it had to be, like I said a while ago, unleavened or matzah, as it's often referred to today. Second, mm -hmm. it had to have the appearance of being striped which it does. Like if you even get matzah today and you look at it, you'll kind of see that there's some stripes through there. And third, it had to be pierced. And you can see how this was all a foretaste yes. of the things to come through Christ. So it pictures Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross. Um, he was without sin. So in other words, he had no leaven in him. He was the sinless, perfect lamb of God that came before the sacrifice for the sins of the world. And he took our stripes, according to Isaiah 50 and verse 6. And then when it talks about he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. That's Isaiah 53. Wow, that is powerful. It is powerful. So you can see all the symbolic reference, the prophetic uh, reference of, of the fulfillment of the Messiah, how he would fulfill these feasts exactly. 
Wow. And of course, we know uh, the third thing is that he was pierced on the cross of Calvary. His hands, mm-hmm. his feet, his side. Psalm 22, verse 16 talks about that. Uh, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. So Jesus even stated in Luke chapter 22, verse 19. I know I'm throwing a lot of scripture at you tonight. Forgive Bring me for it. that. But he said, this is my body, which was given for you. And then if you look over in John chapter 6, verses 31 through 35 and, and 49 through uh, 51, Jesus refers to himself as the bread of life. Mm-hmm. So all these are symbolic references there. This is so, amazing. It is amazing. That's what I'm saying. When you study this for Christians, it's exciting how you see Jesus fulfilled all of these. So the third thing uh, being the Feast of First Fruits. Now, this was also referenced in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21 through 23. Paul talked about this, but but to kind of give a little backstory on that, First Fruits, it was a representation of the first portion of a harvest. That's, I mean, literally First Fruits. Right. So it's the first portion of any increase that Mm -hmm. you would get. So Jesus, in terms of his death, you know, the Passover, and Mm -hmm. ultimately now we're coming into first fruits, he was the first to rise from the grave. He was the first fruit of the new covenant. Okay. And so you can see the prophetic fulfillment there. Um, He was raised on the day of the feast. He literally fulfilled this to the day. So the first fruits were the first. They were the very first first of the harvest. Um, He was the first fruit of the resurrection, meaning that he would never see death again. Right. Jesus will never experience death again. So to move on to the fourth feast, we talked about the Feast of Pentecost. Now, we as Pentecostals, we hear about this one a lot, don't we? All the time. All the time. We hear it preached on. It's talked about, and which is awesome because— um, it's also referred to as the Feast of Weeks. It starts with Exodus 19 when the Israelites actually encountered God's power on Mount Sinai. I mean, they they saw, they witnessed the power of God in a way and in a dimension and at a level that they had never experienced before. Right. And so for us today, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we too experience the presence of God in a powerful way, unlike any other thing we've ever went through before. Um, yes. You got to keep in mind also that Pentecost, Pente meaning 50. So there were 50 days between the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Pentecost. And those 50 days on the Jewish calendar, they're all, uh, they're, they're basically a holy time, if you want to call it that. Uh, those 50 days there are really kind of a sanctified holy time for the Jews, even to this day. Mm-hmm. So the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost, it completes what's called the, the first cycle of the feast that come closer together uh, within 51 days. These first four happen within 51 days of each other. So just to kind of backtrack and, and rehearse some of this, Passover was fulfilled by the death of Jesus Yes. The Feast of Unleavened Bread was fulfilled by the sinlessness of Jesus, his blood sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was the first fruits in terms of his resurrection. And the Feast of Weeks, or again, Pentecost, was fulfilled by the birth of the church or, or, you know, where the church was birthed and experienced a power like it had never experienced before. Kind of equating going back to the uh, Exodus 19. Right. chapter in terms of the experience. In so which we see, see in Acts chapter 2. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yep. We see that in Acts chapter 2. So you see how this is all fulfilled there. So then we come to the final now, three. Let's uh, hang on for a second. Bef- before we go to the final three. Sure. I, I just want to make sure that the listeners, uh, this is this is unbelievable. God fulfilled each of these. Jesus fulfilled each of these to the day. To the very day. To the very day. I, I mean, what these things were set up. Uh, what two thousand years before Jesus? You, you know, I don't know. You know, what's the timeline between Exodus and Jesus? You, you know, that this is crazy. <laughs> you, you know, what I mean, the, the the fact that that Jesus not only fulfilled them but fulfilled them to the day. I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. It is because that actually leads into some thinking of Bible scholars today about the Feast of Trumpets. And of course, this is a controversial thing, what we're about to talk about. And I'm not trying to say I, I believe one way or the other necessarily. I want to make that clear. Right. Um, but here we are coming up on the Feast of Trumpets, also known as Rosh Hashanah. Uh, on our calendar, it starts the 25th of this month, uh, the month of September. Mm-hmm. And it's talking about the start of the Jewish New Year. Um, in Numbers chapter 10, verse 2, God had instructed Moses. He told him, he said, I want you to have two trumpets of silver made from a single hammered piece for each one. And they were to have two purposes. One was to assemble the people and also to give direction, you know, as they would travel through Mm -hmm. the, the different territories. And so... You say, well, how does that parallel to today for the Christian? Well, when you look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it talks about the, the signal of the trumpet. We, as believers, are waiting for the signal of the trumpet for the rapture. That's right. Yes. And it's the same last trumpet that was spoken of in 1 Corinthians 15 that Paul talks about, at the last trump will sound, the dead in Christ yes. will rise. Um, it's the archangels signaling to the redeemed— talking about the true believer, to meet Jesus in the air. Mm -hmm. It's the signal to come up. So I can talk a little bit more about that here in in just a minute. Well, uh, let's, before we get further into it, we need to take a little bit of break. Sure. Um, And then, but this is a good time because, yeah, this this is good. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, Josh is going to finish this fascinating talk. Uh, you're not going to want to miss it. We'll be right back. This portion of Real Men Talk is brought to you by The Jewelers Bench. They are a full-service jewelry store offering many styles of gold, silver, diamonds, and gemstones. And all jewelry repair is done in-house so you can get your treasured pieces back as soon as possible. They are also a licensed citizen watch dealer. Make sure to visit them today at 1353 North Westwood or call 573-686-1522. Call or stop in and thank them for bringing you Real Men Talk. If you want to join in the conversation, join us on Thursday nights at 6.30 p.m. We gather with other like-minded Christian brothers to discuss hard-hitting topics that affect men on a daily basis and use a biblical approach to overcome common strongholds that affect our families. We show men the importance of being the spiritual leader of their home 
and what it means to be a real man in the eyes of Christ. Join us at the Palace of Praise, located at 1400 Herschelbest Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. We meet in room 400 every Thursday. Come be a part of the discussion. The power is coming. John Jacobs and the power team are coming to the Palace of Praise Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. Join the power team as they bring extraordinary acts of strength and courage by bending steel, ripping through thick phone books, and breaking handcuffs all while showing what Christ can do in your life. Join us for a special day of services on Sunday, October 16th at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. as John Jacobs brings a message of hope and the power team shows what God can do through mighty feats of strength. There is no admission, but seating will be limited. Come join us for a special day of services with John Jacobs and the power team. Sunday, October 16th for two services, 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. at the Palace of Praise Church, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff. For more information, contact the church office at 573-785-4232. The power is coming. This portion of The Real Men Talk is brought to you by RL Persons Construction. For over 29 years, they have been a regional leader completing projects that include private, municipal, state, and federal agencies of all types. From mass grading, utilities, concrete of all types, to buildings both conventional and pre-engineered steel. You can expect excellence in all aspects of their finished work. Contact them today at 573 686 1323 and let them know you appreciate them bringing you Real Men Talk. If you have a question about this week's show, please drop us an email to realmen at palaceofpraise.com. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the show with Anthony Kernut. All right, guys, we're back with uh, Bishop Josh Reasons talking about the, the feast and. Um, Man, this this stuff, and again, I get I get all kinds of excited, um, you, you know, because uh, God fascinates me. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the the way He orchestrates things, and the way you know, we've been doing this study, this um, this I don't have enough faith to be an atheist, you know, type thing, and and um, it is it is uh, the undeniable proof of God that He left us. And then you just see it resonate throughout the entire Word of God, and how everything outside of the Word of God confirms the Word of God. You know, and the way that all the way He orchestrates everything. You know, like these feasts. Before we were talking about the break, how they were all fulfilled to the day, and it's it's mind boggling. It's mind boggling. Yeah, when you start getting so specific, and you see. God's plan coming to pass on this timeline. It's not just some generic happenstance. It's yeah. God doing things on his schedule, on his timeline. And you see things that were talked about and put together that God orchestrated, you know, what, uh, you know, 15, 1600 years mm-hmm. before Jesus ever came on the scene in terms of scriptures, you know, Moses' writings. And you see how they were literally fulfilled on the very day. 
And it's amazing that more people don't don't see it or pick up on it in terms of, uh, you know, just the different celebrations and the things that we go to. But whenever you're able to sit here and piece these things together, it, it becomes more and more obvious. Yes. And so that's why it gets exciting. You can see that none of this is a happenstance. You know, this is this is God orchestrating events to the very day. Yeah, it, it is crazy. People people all the time. I you. I think that, um, you know, we live in such a, a, a postmodern society, you know, where everything in it, what they've done, the reason why the enemy has, has, has created a postmodern society is because it takes away from the, the authority of the word of God. Um, oh, yeah. you know, everything's subjective, everything, you know, and that, that was the end game. And so when you find something so concrete, so con it's undeniable. Right. It, it is absolutely undeniable. I, I, I want to say this, and, and and don't take me the wrong way. Um, it it's not just faith. Like like people act like Christianity is just a, a mere faith, and faith is important. I and that's what I, I'm not. I'm trying not to do. I don't want to take away from the fact that you know you can't even serve God without faith. Sure, but faith is not blind. We do exactly. not have a blind faith. And he's left such an an overwhelming evidence of his glory, his hand, his design, uh, even even to this. It, and it's it's just it it fascinates me. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, most people just simply don't want to answer to any kind of a higher authority. And if they see that, uh, like the very things that you mentioned there, the different prophecies come to to pass and are fulfilled in detail mm-hmm. with specificity. Then, if if this is true, which we know it is true, the Bible is mm-hmm. true. Every, everything else comes into question. Well, in other words, if the Bible is right about this, what else is it right about? Right. How how else should it govern my life? Mm-hmm. And so the subjectivity kind of goes out the window. Right. Uh, but yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Cool. All right, let's get let's get into. It. I'm excited. Sure. So we kind of left off on uh, feast number six, which is the Feast of Atonement, also known as Yom Kippur. Mm-hmm. Well, the Feast of Atonement, there, the whole point of atonement is you're making a sacrifice. So in Moses's day, during the Feast of Atonement, a sacrifice was made to atone mm-hmm. for the people's sins. Um, it basically also represents, from a Christian perspective, how the Lord will fulfill this one day. It represents the second coming. And when I say second coming, I'm not talking about the rapture. A lot of times people yes. confuse the rapture and the second coming. The rapture, uh, as one, one person I studied said, the rapture is a private event. It's spoken of in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It's a private event for the redeemed for those that are believers today, we will be caught up into the air to be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Jesus will never technically come back to the earth. He'll split the Eastern sky during the rapture and he mm-hmm. will catch us up into heaven with him, but it'll be a private event for those believers. The yeah. second coming as spoken of in revelation chapter 19 is when Jesus will come down and he will plant his foot on the Mount of Olives which is just across the Kidron Valley from the Temple Mount. And ultimately, he will physically do this. And those that redeemed that went up in the rapture, the dead in Christ and those that were alive, they will come back with the Lord, according to Revelation 19, and we will be with him at that time. So again, uh, Yom Kippur, it's a representation of the second coming. And so prophetically speaking, 
um, this feast will be. So again, we said that the first uh, four feasts, the spring feast, mm-hmm. were already fulfilled by Jesus. So the rapture, the Feast of Trumpets, again, many scholars interpret that to be fulfilled by the rapture of the church, that particular feast. Right Now this feast, the Feast of Atonement, will also yet to be fulfilled. And again, prophetically speaking, this feast will be fulfilled during the tribulation, during the okay. tribulation period, before okay. Israel accepts Jesus as the Messiah. So atonement means it, it represents affliction. Right. So there will be much affliction on the earth going on for those that are here during that time. And mm-hmm. of course, the redeemed will be with Jesus in heaven during the, the uh, marriage supper of the Lamb. And there's two passages that kind of point this affliction out. Uh, Hosea chapter five, uh, verse fifteen through uh, chapter six, verses one through verses one through three says this, and I'll just read it briefly. It says, "I will return again to my place until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face, and in their distress earnestly seek me. Come, let us return to the Lord, for He has torn us that He may heal us. He has struck us down, and He will." And then Zechariah chapter twelve. Uh, starting in verse 10 through 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 1, it says, And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy, so that when they look on me, on he whom they have pierced, he shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep. Mm-hmm. And then so the final feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, um, this is kind of an interesting one to me because in Moses's time, uh, it was also referred to as the Feast of Booths. In Moses' time, houses were set up or temporary booths were set up, and the people were to live in them for a total of seven days. Mm-hmm. And it was a time of celebration for leaving Egypt. Okay. Now, the tabernacles represent Jesus' upcoming thousand-year reign. So that's the symbolic okay. representation for the Christian. In the future, all of earth's inhabitants will ultimately go to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 16 talks about that. Mm-hmm. So uh, just to kind of bring all this to somewhat of a, of a close, of the seven feasts, prophetically speaking, four of them, as we mentioned a while ago, have been fulfilled by Jesus to the very day. To the day. To the very day. Jesus was crucified during the Feast of Passover. Mm-hmm. He was buried during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. He mm-hmm. was resurrection, resurrected during the Feast of First Fruits. And 50 days later came the day of the uh, Feast of Pentecost. So the next one on the prophetic calendar, and I'm, I'm kind of coming back to this now, is obviously the Feast of Trumpets. And again, it starts on, I think it's, I think it's September 25th of, of this month. And what's interesting, it's a two-day feast. And then 10 days after the Feast of Trumpets comes the Day of Atonement. And then five days after the Day of Atonement and lasting for seven days is the Feast of Tabernacles, also known as the Feast of Booths. So this is usually in talking to people where people will ask me the question. They'll say, okay, Josh, since the first four feasts were fulfilled to the day, Mm -hmm. does that mean Jesus will return during the Feast of Trumpets? Um, and of course, there's the scripture that they'll bring up and they'll say, well, how, and let me just say this, 
I'm not necessarily going to hang my hat on this. Right. I'm not going to say for sure. I mean, the Lord, he could come then. Absolutely. It would be awesome if he did that because that would mean he's coming really soon. Mm -hmm. He may or may not. But, um, you know, the Matthew 24 verse 36 says this, that we don't know the day nor the hour. Right. And some people interpret that to mean that we simply just have no clue. We don't know the day nor the hour. But then there is a narrower interpretation of that passage where people will say, no, we think he's going to come during the Feast of Trumpets, and we can still say we don't know the day nor the hour because it's a two-day feast. Right. We don't know which day or which hour in those two days he's going to return. I mean, if if he fulfilled every feast up to this point to the day, what are we to think any otherwise of the rest of them. Exactly. And that's what a lot of people think could occur. In fact, that that very thinking right there, if you go back, and, and I won't waste a bunch of time here, but if you go back and study the history, there were a lot of the Jewish sages and um, uh, the, the different priests for millennia mm-hmm. that interpreted that the Messiah, whoever he was, whenever he was going to come, would come during that feast. And so this isn't some new doctrine. This isn't something that was just drummed up recently. This has been mm-hmm. a belief, even among some of the Jews for a long, long time. And again, I want to say, I, I'm not saying for sure that it will happen that way, but it's right. possible because of the very point that you said. If he fulfilled all the other feasts to the day, is it possible? Absolutely, it's possible. Wow. Absolutely. Wow. So we, this ahead. means that prophetically, um, most scholars believe that the Feast of Trumpets is a, rep- a representation of the rapture of the church. Right. That's how it applies to us believers today. And so the Day of Atonement coming mm-hmm. after that will prophetically be fulfilled by the tribulation, which is actually Israel's salvation at the end of that period. Right. You know, I said, well, ago, atonement talking about that they will go through much affliction, and they will. They will absolutely go through affliction during that tribulation. And then the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths, it'll be fulfilled by the Messianic Kingdom where we we will live and reign with Christ. Just as you had the houses, the temporary houses that were set up and there was a time of celebration, that's ultimately what the Feast of Tabernacles will be, where we are housed with God. So I hope that makes sense. That's kind of my little... My little uh, talk on the feast of the different feasts of Israel. I hope that helps. Uh, absolutely, you know. And going back to the last podcast that we did, um, we were talking about end times and and the the prophecies of you know like the Gog and Magog war, the rapture, and and different things like that. You can kind of see how everything correlates with that to this when you when you apply them together. I mean. It, it all it all kind of makes sense, it, you know. I mean, it, all of it. Yeah, I mean, if you if you believe that it's possible or that it's likely that Jesus could come back during the Feast of Trumpets, and then you parallel what you see going on the different players of Ezekiel thirty eight and thirty nine, and Gog and Magog and the other nations that are mentioned in there, they're already in place. Yes. Every one of them is in place right now. And it's basically Russia and 
an alliance of Islamic nations, and for the most part, if not down to every single one of those Islamic nations, they are hostile toward Israel today. Yes. And so again, there's already a hostility, there's an anger toward Israel. So just to give an example, people say, they'll ask me, do I think that the rapture will happen first and then Gog and Magog or reverse? I, I don't really have an answer for that. I don't know. Um, other than to say that I think that whichever one happens first, I think the other one will be soon after. And when right. I say soon after, I mean very soon after. Right. Matter of, of days, a few weeks, whatever, if you want to call it that. And and so if you see the Gog-Magog coalition forming, and then here we are coming up on you know the Feast of Trumpets as it, stands, as it stands right now. It's coming close. So, yeah. you know, as the scripture says, lift up your head, your redemption draws near. That's right. So everybody needs to be looking up. Not, not saying that we'll be gone in 10 days, but if I'm it not here in 10 my days. feelings any. <laughs> right. If I'm not here in 10 days, you know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know, but, um, but yeah, man, Josh, I, I appreciate you coming on here. I appreciate you talking with us. Um, yeah. you know, Glad and to do it. really what, what this boils down to, um, is if you don't know Jesus, if yes. you are not prepared, you need to be, if yeah. your family is not prepared, the, we have got to have an urgency about us, um, especially as men, as leaders, you know, for my, for our children, for our wives, for our families, um, for the people, I, I'm going to be real honest with you, for the people sitting inside the church, um, yeah. even, you know, the, the people who are lost out in the communities, you know, we, we have got to have a sense of urgency. Jesus is coming back soon. There's, there's no reason to believe that he's that he's not whether it happens in 10 days or wh whether it happens a year in 10 days or two years in 10 days what it, whatever it is we have to have a sense of urgency about us if he if he tarries it is only because of grace That's um, good, yeah. and and if you as a listener do not know Jesus Find him. I, I I pray that the Holy Spirit just convicts you right now. Um, if you were listening to this, and and you you can find him in a way that that you haven't before, um, or he opens up opportunities for you to if you do know him to to spread his love to other people. Uh, Matthew twenty eight, you know, says, "Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit," and we we have got to fulfill that 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 commission and this as a christian this stuff is so exciting it, it is so exciting for but the thought of people not knowing christ this this stuff is terrifying yeah and and we do we have to have urgency so i i you know, as a listener, if you if you don't know Jesus, you want to know Jesus, contact me. I've got email address. We can we can. I, I would love to pray you through. Um, you, you know, or uh, you can contact us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. 
or find find somebody you trust find somebody you know that that is a bible believing believer uh, a pastor a friend you know in your home right now listen to this you don't you don't need anybody else uh right now listen to this you can accept jesus um do it do it do not wait do not things are too close to play around um, you wouldn't play around with 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 a bomb. You wouldn't play around with it. You, you know, with a with a nuclear explosion. You wouldn't play around with that stuff. This is this is vitally important. This is your soul. This is eternity. And um, Josh, again, I want to thank you um, for bringing this stuff. It's fascinating. Um, you're always so good at this stuff, uh, and I and I appreciate you. Um, yeah, glad to help. And as always, I want I want to enter prayer. Holy Spirit, teach us to be leaders of our homes, of our communities, and of our churches. And teach us to be godly, courageous men. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Real Men Talk, brought to you by Palace of Phrase Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. If you would like to get in touch with us, shoot us an email realmen at palaceofpraise.com or visit our website at palaceofpraise.com. If you're a man age 16 and up and would like to be a part of the conversation, join us at the Palace of Praise every Thursday night at 6.30 p.m. If you don't have a home church, consider joining us for worship on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. Palace of Praise is located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. New episodes of Real Men Talk drop every Thursday at 5 p.m. You can find us at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Amazon, and more. Real Men Talk is a production of Palace Media Service. Real Men Talk has been brought to you this week by RLP Construction in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For commercial contracting of all types, see RLP Construction today. And by the Jewelers Bench in Poplar Bluff. They are your one-stop shop for all your fine jewelry needs. They also do in-house repair and are your citizen watch dealer. Make sure to thank our sponsors for bringing you Real Men Talk. Jacobs and the Power Team are coming to the Palace of Praise Church in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. Join the Power Team as they bring extraordinary acts of strength and courage by bending steel, ripping through thick phone books, and breaking handcuffs all while showing what Christ can do in your life. Join us for a special day of services on Sunday, October 16th at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. as John Jacobs brings a message of hope and the power team shows what God can do through mighty feats of strength. There is no admission, but seating will be limited. 
Come join us for a special day of services with John Jacobs and the Power Team. Sunday, October 16th for two services, 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. at the Palace of Praise Church, located at 1400 Herschel Best Boulevard in Poplar Bluff. For more information, contact the church office at 573-785-4232. The power is coming.